episode of Calm, Cool, and Connected is brought to you by Bridgeside Medical Clinic, Chesapeake Integrated Behavioral Healthcare, and Edgar Casey's ARE. Hello, and welcome to Calm, Cool, and Connected. I'm Ashley Snyder, and beside me is my co-host, Dr. Elizabeth Fedrick. Some call them thrill seekers, some call them adrenaline junkies, and others may call them just plain wild. But our next guest calls him the focus of his current research. He is a professor, a published author, and he even hosts a web series focused on the personalities of motorsports athletes. So please join me in welcoming Dr. Carter to the show. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Of course, we're so excited to have you. This is such a fun topic. So let's dive right into it. First of all, how do you define thrill-seeking? Like what would make you classify a person as a thrill-seeker or a daredevil? Yeah, and actually it's something bigger than just thrill-seeking. It's the those individuals who are drawn to exciting, chaotic experiences. They can be physical, they can be mental, and they want to do it despite the risks that there may be to, in order to do those things. Is there psychology behind this? So with the research that you've done and, and the books that you've written on the topic, what is the psychology that you found behind adrenaline junkies? Yeah, it's really interesting. So the original research was done a while ago where they were looking at people who were in uh, sensory deprivation kinds of experiences. And they found that some people could stay there for hours. Other people couldn't stand it for even a couple of minutes. And they found that there were some interesting neurological differences between people who are high sensation seekers and low sensation seekers. Okay, and is there the dopamine connection here? Is this when we call people dopaginermic? Is this where this comes in? Absolutely. So there's two big ones that I I usually point out. People that are high sensation seekers tend to create more dopamine when they're in those chaotic situations. That's that neurotransmitters associated with pleasure. But they also tend to have lower levels of things like, you know, cortisol, that's that stress hormone. Mm. So when they're in these sort of highly chaotic experiences, they're actually less stressed, but experience more pleasure um, than average and low sensation seeking people. Okay. Now you keep mentioning sensation seeking. Could you explain what that is for someone like me who doesn't know? Oh yeah. So sensation seeking is sort of the term that psychologists use to define what most people would call adrenaline junkies, uh, because it's not necessarily adrenaline that they're after. These individuals are sort of after experiences and sensations. And so adrenaline actually can kind of get them into trouble because too much adrenaline can cause you to lose focus. And the really interesting thing about these individuals is they're more focused in these highly chaotic situations. Okay. yeah, and that leads us to our next question is how how do thrill seekers feel? So in the process of thrill seeking or even, let's say, thrill receiving, how does this feel for them? Yeah, a lot of them say that, and I am, by the way, I'm not a thrill seeker. I'm really <laughs> low on sensation seeking scale. I'm uh, The scale goes up to 40 and I'm an eight. And so a lot of the people I've talked to say that when they're in those highly chaotic situations, whether it's running on a motorcycle or race car driving or bungee jumping, that time seems to sort of slow down for them. They're more focused and they're calm in those situations. And a lot of them actually say they're calm for days or weeks after it. It's it's sort of their moments of bliss. Wow. Hmm. That is so crazy. 
And I feel like there are certain groups of people who are probably more likely to be thrill seekers than others. Do you see certain professions or certain jobs where you find more thrill seekers than not? Yeah, and it's the jobs where you might might think, you know, people that are first responders, people who are in emergency, I've interviewed emergency room doctors and nurses, and of course, people that are in sort of adventure sports for, for sure. But even people who are not in those areas find these high sensation activities in their recreational life. Right. So it's, and it's, it's more than just what they do, it's sort of who they are as a person. It is. And it's so funny you say that. The reason I asked that question was because my dad is an emergency room physician <laughs> and he drives fast cars. He likes to blow things up. He works with the pyrotechnic squad and that kind of stuff. So it's really funny that you <laughs> pinpointed that profession. Yeah, I well, last 10 minutes in an emergency room. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, that's interesting because in the work that I do in counseling, I noticed that as well, that a lot of times these really high achieving careers have that dopaminergic quality to it because it takes a lot of intensity. Like, as you're saying, Ashley, for your father to do, that is an intense position. Yeah. That was a, a lot of work to get to that role. So I imagine there's got to be some connection there. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. But the downside is, is that some of these kinds of jobs, there's not a lot of excitement going on. And the military, for example, there are long hours of stretches where there's not much to do. And so sometimes people that are these high sensation seeking people create chaos because Ooh. they feel more comfortable in it. And that's actually why I got sort of interested in the beginning, because I felt like I had clients, I had students and friends who felt like they were creating chaos and I wasn't sure why. <laughs> ah. Okay, so that leads me perfectly into my next question. Is there a certain line that can be crossed when daredevils have gone way too far and it just becomes unhealthy? Absolutely. So we know that people that are high sensation seekers tend to be more more overrepresented in those groups of individuals who have addictive conditions, behavioral addictions, even substance conditions. And sometimes they do go too far in the quest of those experiences. But I found a lot of them have what I call anchors in their life, people who will remind them to sort of pull back when they need to. And those individuals who trust those anchors that aren't that uninhibited, it's really a superpower more than a super problem. Okay, so I have to circle back around though to you saying that you're not a thrill seeker because now I'm fascinated how you got into this research. What like what piqued your interest here? Yeah, so I mean, so I had this idea for a book maybe 10 years ago, and the idea was a book called The Chaos Junkies Guide to Life. And the idea was that there were these people out there that were chaos junkies that were drawn to chaos. And, and since I'm, no one would describe me as a chaotic individual. And the idea was to show them to be a little bit more predictable like me. But what I discovered was that there were the, this sort of the superpower of out there of the ability to be calm in the midst of chaotic experiences. And so I just took a different turn and sort of investigated that. And it's been a fascinating topic for sure. I'm sure. Okay. So you spoke about yourself being an eight out of 40 on a scale when it comes to thrill seeking and sensation seeking. Can you tell us more about that scale? How do you rate someone? Yeah, yeah. So there's a short sensation-seeking survey, and you can find the link to it on my website, drkencarter.com. And it's really, you know, a quick little survey, and it will tell you your scores on 
four different aspects of sensation seeking, thrill and adventure seeking, how much you like sort of dangerous, fast things, experience seeking, that sensation seeking of the mind and of the senses, maybe even travel or liking unusual foods. But there's also the two aspects that might get you more into trouble. One is called disinhibition. This is your ability to be able to be uninhibited and sort of wild. And the last one's called boredom susceptibility. This is how easily you get bored and how irritated you get when you get bored. Um, and so it'll show you your scores for each of those as well as your total score in general. I think I'm okay, gonna go that's when yeah, we're done. I was just gonna say, I was just gonna say, you know what we're doing after this. <laughs> yes, yes. Now is, is thrill seeking genetic? Like is it something that can be passed down? Yeah, like a lot of things, there's a combination of gen genetics and environment. About maybe 60% of sensation seeking tends to be genetic. And, and But people who are high sensation seekers say they've grown up in families where they felt kind of restricted, but it may have been that they were high sensation seeking kids and their parents just wanted them to be more safe. We do know that sensation seeking changes over time, sort of peaks in early adolescence, which is why a lot of those YouTube videos are, are, are people who are younger. And then it sort of goes down as people get older, as certain chemicals in their bodies change. Testosterone is associated with sensation seeking and another chemical called monoamine oxidase that tends to decrease as people get older. Very cool. Oh my gosh. I'm so definitely calling my dad after this and blaming him for every speeding <laughs> ticket I've ever done. Well, you're going to have to have your dad do the, the scale as well. Find out where he, that will be an interesting thing to discover also. Oh, yeah. So, if you ask him why he chose it, he says, um, because it's the most expeditious form of medicine. It's not boring. So. <laughs> Never <laughs> a dull moment. Yeah. We'll see where his uh, boredom scale is then. That will, will definitely be interesting. All right, Dr. Carter, can you tell us where we can find your information and where we can locate your book? Yeah, so you can find my book really anywhere where books are sold, which is called Buzz. And then my social media, I'm on Twitter at Dr. Ken Carter. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Ken Carter. And my website is drkencarter.com. Thank you that so much for joining us. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank all of you for tuning in to this episode of Calm, Cool, and Connected. Please make sure you find us on Facebook and Instagram, and also make sure you rate and subscribe to our podcast so that others can discover our content as well. Thank you again for joining in for this episode of Calm, Cool, and Connected, and have a great day. Thanks.